Good morning, Boradai. It's lovely to have you with us on the third Sunday of Advent. As you can see, the church is beautifully decorated. A big thank you to everyone who's been working so hard. I hope that if you haven't yet had a chance to join us, that you'll come and see the church for yourself as we prepare for Christmas. Today, I hope as you journey with us, you'll see Jesus more clearly, follow him more nearly and learn to love him more dearly. Jill is reading for us. Elizabeth will be praying for us and Andrew opening up the words to help us understand it a little better. As we worship today then, let me pray the collect, the special prayer of the church for us. Lord Jesus Christ, at your first coming you sent your messenger to prepare the way before you. Grant that the ministers and stewards of your mysteries may so likewise prepare and make ready the way by the turning of the hearts of the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, that at your second coming as judge of the world, we may be found to be an acceptable people in your sight. For you are alive and reign with the Father in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
The Benedictus is part of Anglican morning prayer, perhaps more familiar to older churchgoers. The words are from Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, and are a prophecy spoken by Zechariah, father of John the Baptist, about John and the promised Messiah. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up a mighty salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hands of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our forefathers and to remember his holy covenant, to perform the oath which he swore to our forefather Abraham, that we, being delivered out of the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people for the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Gospel reading is from Luke's Gospel, chapter 3, starting at verse 7. John the Baptist said to the crowds coming out to be baptised by him, You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe has been laid to the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then? the crowd asked. John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none, and anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptised. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptise you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. 
He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. Help us, O God, to hear your word with attention and understanding. And so write its message on our hearts that its power may be manifest in our lives for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're moving on towards Christmas and we come to John the Baptist. If you know the Advent wreath, we're now on the third Sunday of Advent and the third candle. We've had the uh, first forerunners, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. We've had the Old Testament prophets, too many to mention. And so we come to John the Baptist, linking the Old Testament and the New. A fierce character, as you may have heard in that reading. Not perhaps somebody you'd like to invite to your Christmas, but nevertheless, somebody who has the words of God. And he is the link between the Old Testament and what we now know as the New. Luke tells us that he proclaimed the good news to the people. And you might have been a little surprised that the good news didn't come over as terribly friendly or kind, but in fact was quite abrasive, direct and demanding. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? John's style is vigorous, uncompromising, not out to make friends and influence people, but to speak directly with a certain urgency. I think he had at least three things to be doing. And his first function was to prepare the way for God by bringing people to repentance, reminding them of the holiness of God and their compromised status. The baptism, he proclaimed, was an admission of a need to begin again with God because of failure, that is, sin. And preaching repentance remains an important, if sometimes undervalued, part of Christian ministry. Of course, we can all think of people out there who need to do better. We can sort out the world and tell you exactly who. But actually, repentance starts closer to home. A lot closer to home. With me whoever I may be. We need to realise that we're not ready for the coming of God. We may be more obsessed with the fact that we're not ready for Christmas and there's a long list of to-dos, but actually think about meeting up with God and being ready for that. We 
are the ones who need to repent, to root out the evil which so easily creeps in almost unnoticed and takes root and becomes a habit and if we're not careful becomes a part of who we are. We need to respond again to God's goodness. John had some very practical advice about how that might work. You'll have heard that the tax collectors were not to take an extra bit. The soldiers were not to take advantage of the fact that they could bully and so on. And you might like to think how practically we need to respond. Because one thing John the Baptist is very clear about is that repentance has to be practical. It has to be relevant and in the lives we lead. So, repentance, part one. Part two, John is going to point to the Messiah. You'll have heard that in the Benedictus, which Jill read for us. Zechariah begins by delightedly prophesying the Messiah, the coming king, and then goes on to say how the son that is yet to be born to him has the role of preparing the way. It's never easy to point to somebody else. And John is a very good lesson in that. At a time when he could have seized the limelight and been the celebrity of the day, when he could have milked his notoriety, he says bluntly, no, it's not me. Somebody else is coming. Get ready. Come on. Pay attention. Do what you need to do. We're back to his urgency, aren't we? And of course, like his morality, his preaching of the Messiah would for some people have been quite exciting and quite fun. But for others, it would have caused anger. Messiahs came fairly often then, not real ones, but people who popped up and said, follow me, let's have a revolution. During John's childhood, which was also Jesus' childhood, there was at least one occasion when the roads of Galilee were lined with crosses, and I mean literally lined, hundreds of crosses, each with its victim as an example after a particularly bloody attempt at revolution, put down with severity as an example. Yes, proclaiming somebody else coming was not without its risks, and the risks included annoying some very important people. Preaching repentance, preaching the Messiah, and, well, his third function we'll come back to in January, at the time of the Epiphany or just after. His third function was to start Jesus' ministry by baptising him as he baptised so many others who came out to him. A strange event, we'll talk about it again. For Jesus, it seems an anomaly. 
Why would he want to come and be baptised when for everybody else it was a we need to go back to the beginning. We need to get sorted out, cleaned up, start again. John was not afraid to deal with some sensitive issues. Morality. He criticised Herod's marriage of his brother's wife. Yes, that doesn't work. Personal and business ethics. Tax collectors do it properly. Soldiers under command. These can be sensitive issues. Even in our own time, there are plenty of people who would like Christians not to talk about that sort of thing. Stick to being nice to one another. Talk about the love of God. Keep off sensitive issues. But as Christians, we draw some very definite patterns from New Testament teaching. You are free. We all are. But to abuse that freedom can lose you your status as a Christian. We are all responsible. And the God who forgives failure, let's never forget that God is in the business of forgiveness, even of great failure. The God who forgives failure still expects obedience and service. Jesus as Messiah is also a sensitive issue. Can't we accept all religions and all leaders? Well, no. We can respect them. We can quite often learn something from them. But Christians follow Christ. And they follow Christ without compromise, even when that may be politically incorrect or embarrassing or commercially disadvantageous. John the Baptist was a blast from the past, even in the first century. And I shouldn't think he's any more smooth and politically correct now. But he remains somebody who for us highlights critical issues for faith. Critical issues about how we have to work out our discipleship if it's going to be real. To be ready for the coming of Christ now. That's what Christmas is about. You must repent. I must repent. Respond to the goodness of God in Christ and follow the Messiah faithfully and without confusion. Amen.
Let us pray. Let us pray for the church, for the world, and for all people according to their needs. Heavenly Father, on this third Sunday in Advent, as once again we prepare for Christmas, help us to find time in our busy lives for quiet thought and prayer, that we may reflect upon the wonder of your love and allow the story of Jesus' birth to penetrate our hearts and minds. May our joy be deeper, our worship more real, and our lives worthier of all that you have done for us through the coming of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. In today's cycle of prayer, we pray for the Anglican Church of Canada and also the Gower Ministry area. We pray for all Christian leaders, for Andrew, our new Archbishop, Reverend Adrian, Reverend Andrew, and all the clergy in our ministry area and their families. Lord, give wisdom and desire for peace to all world leaders and for all local political community leaders and workers. Give grace to us, our families, and our neighbours. May we serve Christ in one another and love as he loves us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Grant all who come into our churches this Christmas the time to renew their relationship with you. Help us all to be glad of your presence and rejoice at the coming of Jesus. We pray for those who are lonely because of the loss of a close family member, husband, wife or child, or through illness or handicap. Let your presence be with all those who are alone at this season, this season of friendship. May we take our friendship to those we know will be alone this Christmas time. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. At this time, we remember before you all victims of the recent storms, those who lost their lives and their families. We pray for those who are fleeing warfare and unrest, who have no country to call their own. Let your blessings be with those who work to help the homeless this Christmas and give to all of us the determination to help where we can. Comfort and heal all those who are suffering, ill and in pain. Give resilience and peace of mind to those who care for them, particularly NHS workers who are already overburdened as a result of the COVID and pandemic. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those who are in our thoughts at this time of year and hear us as we remember those who have died in our community and our own loved ones. Grant with them everlasting light and peace. Finally, in silence, we bring before you our own needs and concerns. In the communion of the Blessed Virgin Mary and all the saints, we commend ourselves and one another and all our lives to you. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, 
Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us today. As we prepare for Christmas, one of the exciting things that we're doing is putting together at least 600 bags of kindness. We know that the last two years have been a really difficult time for so many people. And so we want to share love and kindness throughout our community. If you'd like to get involved, there are many ways that you can do that. You can make a donation of 10 pounds towards putting a bag together. You can dash around the shops and collect the contents of a bag. You'll find all the details on our website if you're watching this today. Likewise, you can help by volunteering, either to pack a bag or to deliver a bag. And we're having a big day in the run-up to Christmas on the 18th of December, where we'll be packing and delivering all those bags of kindness. And amazingly, we've worked with people across our community to make sure that we spread as much love as possible this Christmas. If you'd like to find out more, then do get in touch with me. I'd love to hear from you and I'd love to share with you.
Crucially too, we've got a whole array of exciting services over the Christmas period, and we would love to invite you to join us. We would love to see you. Now though, as our online service comes to an end, let me pray for God's blessing on you as you begin another week. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in the knowledge and love of God, and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be upon you and remain with you always. Bendith diw holl tad ma bag ysbryd glan, avonich plith, ac adrigo gyda chi'n wastad. Amen.